and it's time for the weekly Q&A that we call Splunk Talk. Episode number 62, recorded Friday, November 4th, 2011. Going off the rails. This week, working with some folks that are dealing with rails spawned a whole interesting discussion about forwarders, inputs, rails, a lot of good stuff. It's Splunk Talk. I gotta have more cowbell. Hey, it's another episode of Splunk Talk. We're back. Michael Wild. I'm here, Splunk Ninja Guy. I'm here in Austin. And I got my brother, my brother in arms. Not literally my brother, <laughs> although my brother is quite entertaining. His name is Dan Wild, but my brother in battle is Maverick Garner. How's it hey, going? how's it how's it going? <laughs> that's battle. pretty fun. That's pretty funny. I was not expecting you to do that, but on my uh, we're brothers in battle in the wasteland of IT, in a world of <laughs> man. I what's, wish I could uh, talk like uh, Don what's that guy's name? Fontaine. Oh yeah, God yeah, yeah. rest his soul. I know. You, you know, don't know who Don Lafontaine is? Google that guy, and yeah, he's the guy who does all those voiceovers for movies, like in a world of robots and puppies you know you, yeah and if it's a fantasy sci-fi it's in another world oh exactly of, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs> this is particularly par for the course where we start talking about stuff that's just stupid and funny but you know we were thinking today we're like what's going on let's have a little chat about just things that we've learned and things that we've got going on so i was helping someone today and they were dealing with rails data and really? and i actually learned something you know i'm, I'm helping them um well, in their case, they were using, uh, obviously, they had an indexer. Mm-hmm. I think it was on Windows, but that really is irrelevant. Uh, but they have a web infrastructure, and they've got uh, Apache, and they're using Rails, Ruby on Rails. And uh, they started setting up. Initially, they were doing syslog of just the var log stuff. And I told them, I'm like, guys, you know, you could put a forwarder on there. So yeah. we started setting up forwarders. And... Uh, and a matter of fact, I think they got down that path, and I showed them, and, and they and they said, well, yeah, but I had to set up an outputs.conf file and inputs.conf. I was like, no, 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 forget about that, right? <laughs> um, I said, here, just learn how to use the Splunk commands at the command line interface, and it's actually a lot faster. So if you're listening and you've never set up a forwarder, or now a universal forwarder, Right. Which honestly, dude, I kind of wish that we put the the root directory in the same spot. You know, it's like opt Splunk versus opt Splunk forwarder. It's just a nit with me. Yeah, well, just because you've been here a while, you know. Uh, I've been here for uh, a while. I'm just an old dog, I guess. You're just yeah. You, it's hard to. Teach I'm over you the forty now, so I'm an old dog, anyways. <laughs> but um, you can run, you know, like think about it. Have you ever, Maverick, so have you ever set up an outputs.conf, which is a file to help make a forwarder talk to an indexer? You ever done that? Oh, yeah, I've done some. I have answers on Splunk answers of some things I've done creatively with that, actually. Yeah, isn't it kind of a pain in the butt? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, because yeah. it's hard to test it, right? It's well, hard to know. Yeah, but the syntax is not right completely not. easy to understand. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, it's right. kind of the op- It's kind of opposite of what you expect. That's true yeah, from an expectation perspective. But if you uh, if you use the command line, so first, okay, nerds in the house, this only works on Linux. But if you set your paths right on Windows, it'll work. 
But in Linux, if you type in, if you're in the, the shell, okay, yeah. you're yeah. likely in bash because you're on Linux and that's the default shell. You type in source, right? Like the source. Source, and then, you know, uh, there's a file we're going to be looking for called set Splunk env, and that file is actually in the bin directory. So usually it's source opt slash Splunk slash bin slash set Splunk env. If you hit enter, it's going to make your environment so that you can actually just type Splunk. Like, well, you can type Splunk anyways. But this time it'll do something, right? Like Splunk stop or Splunk restart. Right. Or you could type in Splunk add forward dash server. And let's say you say the, the, in the, you know, the IP address or name and port of your indexer. And that's actually a lot faster than uh, monkeying around with an outputs.conf file. And you know what I found out too? What? Tell this me. Could, this could be a bug that it works. But in the past, when you used to set up forwarding, you used to have to restart the server, restart the forwarder. Right, yeah, that's correct. Now, you know, I swear we did Splunk add forward server. And then I went to type, well, how do we figure out if a forwarder is connected to uh, an indexer? Mm-hmm. How do you do that, Maverick? Forwarder is connected to an indexer? Yeah, um, are, you're leading me down the path, but I'm not seeing it. Splunk what, what do I do? list forward dash server. Oh, okay. okay, yeah. So if you're down there, like you made your configuration and you're wondering, like, did this actually work? Because ultimately it's going to edit some config files, but is it right? So you, so I always do that. I'm like, install the forwarder, do Splunk add forward server, Splunk list forward server. And then if it says active connections, right? It'll say right. inactive if it can't make a connection for whatever reason. It says active connection. You know that your forwarder is now talking to your indexer. Woot. Okay. That's, pr- that's pretty awesome. Right, and yep. uh, that really helped him because you know he went through the process of well now he's got to set up a bunch of these but like okay we got Splunk talking, not Splunk talk, but we got Splunk talking to each other right communicating pushing communicating data, yeah. if you will a making a persistent hand in hand connection down the aisle over TCP, <laughs> um, that uh, we got to add some data right that's right so you could edit inputs.conf where the heck is that I don't even know where it is. You're a new Input. user. You don't even know where that is. Yeah, it depends on where. It That's, depends on yeah. where you're. At. And you know, it's weird that it depends on where inputs.conf is, but it's good in some way because we. Well, can well, I think it default, it. but it defaults now in the current version of the product. I think I've noticed it defaults in system local or system default system local directory. It so it depends. Be, no, no, it actually it, it actually depends. puts it there no matter where you're at. I think it depends. This is another right. good thing that I learned this week. No, really, it depends. Okay. It depends on the setting that you're doing. Okay. okay, so um, someone asked me this week about um, it might have been changing the web port. Um, right, it was something you mean, else. You mean, you mean the port that the web port that you go yeah, to? Yeah, the port like, that Splunk HTTP runs on to bring up Splunk on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Eight thousand. Yeah, whatever. and it was it was another system level setting. Maybe I'll remember it before I finish the sentence. But we did a, a command line version of a command, you know, make a change to Splunk. Right. And it ended up in system local. Cool. Because it seems like a system thing. But when I want to add data and I say Splunk add right. monitor, let's say we were going to do slash var slash log slash mail.log, 
it will put it in Etsy apps search local. Oh, because it's a, that's the app that you're in. Yeah. Well, no, it's it's not really the app that I'm in. We're talking about on the Universal Forwarder. Oh, okay. And the so forwarder. I thought that was kind of weird. That is weird. I didn't know at that. At the command thought... line, but maybe the command line is set up to put it in a directory called uh-huh. search, which is usually the responsible directory for the search app. I thought you were going to do the GUI. I, I was think, I mean, I was just lapsing there thinking the GUI because the GUI will Matter put it in right. system local. But yeah, I, I did not know. I assumed that the CLI would do that. So I'll have to try well, that and see. Is that, right so that's a system. positive bug then is what you're saying. Well, I don't know. See, yeah, it's like, I don't know if it's a bug, right? Because um, system local, you know, if you change the web port, if you change mm-hmm. you know, indexes.com for something like that, that's going to be in system.local, system right. local. But you know, to Maverick's point, if you're in the user interface and you're in manager, let's say you launch manager from inside the Cisco app, you're using the Cisco app. And you're like, I'm going to go into manager. Yeah. If you add something inside a manager, it's going to go ahead and try to put it in the local directory of the app that you just were in. Well, actually, actually, it'll do. It, actually, it will. Is it you're talking about the input, or you're talking about anything? Well, I'm talking about many common objects inside of Splunk. Well, manager. because because actually, that's not true. Actually, when you add, <laughs> sorry to derail you a little bit, but if you were to add it. Um, from a Cisco app, but it was something like like uh, cre- creating a search, for example, it will go under Etsy users uh, slash your point. username slash then the app name, All which right. would be Cisco. Exactly, <laughs> and then it's local. Right. It's Maverick like cause, is correct. Because it's private to you. We've talked you? about this before, but some of you may not be aware. So if you're hunting for it, that's where it's you want to look there too. And then so when it's you promote, even more complicated. <laughs> it's even more. When you add it, when you uh, promote it to app level, then it will actually, I think, fit. It, this is weird. If you promote it to app level visibility, permissions, in the GUI, it will move it to the um, Etsy uh, apps slash Cisco slash local directory. It'll move it there. If you promote it immediately to global view, meaning anyone can see it everywhere or whatever or, or have re- read access of it or whatever, mm-hmm. it actually leaves it in the user's directory, but it changes the metadata to make it global. That's what I think, it, that's what I, think I figured out. Yeah, I yeah, believe you're right. I would think it would put them in system.local, but system local. why am I saying system.local? Well, it, it will do that if you move it from the app to the system, then it will do that. But if you go from user to system directly, skip over app, it really? leaves. Yeah, that's what I noticed. So that's I interesting. I have to test such a thing. We, I think anyone listening right now, if you bother to download the podcast, you should try that. And if it's wrong, send us an email at splunktalk.splunk.com and let us know that you're listening and that it we're wrong um, so we can figure out what, what it – no, but no, but seriously, that's what I've noticed with it. So, um, But I, that makes sense though if you think about it. It makes sense. Why would it, why would it physically move it if it could just do the metadata? If it's just a universally applied, it doesn't matter where it's located if that's what you go to uh, – Ultimately, right? So, I'm sure it would be a super nerdy roundtable beer whiteboard discussion of all the reasons why things are stored in the locations that they are and the impacts of them. And Splunk's own internal app infrastructure needs to, it, it's getting a redesign as far as um, the, the things under the covers because there are some issues and compartmentalization of config files and stuff like that. It's all good because we really want to make the app in the app community be able to do more awesome things. Speaking of app community, I was uh I was um helping this prospect today. They're a prospect. 
prospect is somebody who hasn't yet bought Splunk. <laughs> Although we sometimes call them customers. I guess if you're a free user, technically you're a customer of our stuff. But I'm talking right. to this dude today, and this is a Rails guy. And so we got him all, got him all helped out, set him up. Everything's going good. Right. We eventually will get to the point where we need to use Deployment Manager, and I need to learn. I need to become more proficient at Deployment Manager. But anyways, he was like, I downloaded the Rails app. I was like, oh, there's a Rails app? That's oh, I interesting. Know that. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess there's an app. If you're a Rails, a Ruby on Rails shop, there's an app um, that was written uh, by uh, two guys, Simon Yep from Splunk. He's in BizDev, used to be in support, and a guy by the name of John Barry from Lumos Labs. And uh, it's got some cool stuff, field extraction searches, dashboards for analyzing common Ruby on Rails stuff. But you have to make sure that your source types are right. Because we ran into some issues, but that was kind of cool. That's and cool. I, where do we find out about apps, Maverick? Um, uh, well, I would go to splunkbase.com. Go there right now. Go there right now. Right now. Okay. All right. I'm, meanwhile, we're recording here. Sure. Why not? Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right, I'll do that. If you look at, if you go to Splunk Base and click on apps, and there's a section called recent uploads, and this is pretty interesting. There's um. It looks like someone just published Splunk for RSA Secure ID appliances. Wow, okay. that's pretty cool. Not bad. It looks like they have a. Uh, they need to update the graphic because the screen. Oh, or maybe yeah. they need to put a screenshot in there. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I see that. Um, but uh, I found one on here. There's a site scope. Help. There's a site scope too. That's cool. Oh, you mean for uh, Mercury? I guess site scope health. It site scope health. That's awesome. I found Splunk one. I found I found on a script, someone put up a Perl script or a shell script um, add-on that just uh, removes duplicates from your index. It does the delete and takes really? out. It finds, it finds all duplicates and takes them out, yeah. Now, I, try, I tried to reproduce it, but for some reason on mine, it, it failed. It wouldn't do more than one because um, ah. I think I have a permissions problem. But it was cool. It was like a little script that would just go in and search your index because it's just a zip file, right? So just go find it, and then it would take them all out of the index yeah. itself. So I thought that was interesting too. So all kinds of interesting stuff on Splunk Base that um, that we didn't even know about until we go out there and look ourselves. So maybe we should do this uh, every now and then, see what's out there. Well, we we you know we tell you what's going on, like events, and sometimes if there's something on Splunk Base, but you know it's like Splunk Base goes through these um, waves depending on people's interests. All of a sudden, you see apps up there. Like my friend David Carrasso wrote this app called Splunk Mobile. Yeah, and it uses the mobile jQuery library, uh, which is similar to Apple's I/O, uh, Apple's web framework, so that you can have some of your Splunk on a mobile device. Now we're not talking about Flash, okay? Um, we're talking because just because you have Flash or don't have Flash doesn't make you mobile compatible. But you know, right. when you go to a website on your handheld device and it's all sized right and there are big buttons and stuff like that. Uh, it's it's kind of like one of the prototypes David does, and you can add that right into your Splunk server and like put some searches in there. That way, you can check stuff from your phone without having to load up the whole user interface of Splunk, which is cool. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I was uh, I was going to tell you about something that happened to me this week. Actually, that was interesting. I did a lot of troubleshooting. I didn't do a lot of like you know. I mean, I always do demoing and stuff, but I did a lot of troubleshooting for some reason. 
And um, I ended up helping some someone with um, like trying to figure out their inputs. They were having a CRC salt thing, like the CRC salt wasn't working, and um, and we brought up the uh, tailing processor. Okay. Node, which was kind of cool, and I don't know if we've talked about that before, but you do tailing processor uh, node, and, it, and if you look up troubleshooting your file inputs in Splunk.com, you'll documentation, you'll find this. But it was like the URL; it's on the uh, API, you know, the node or whatever, mm-hmm. and you accept the security, and we were able to see it showing, and it actually does say CRC salt, it, like it'll give you the reason. And then he asked me, he says, and then we, you know, of course, we figured out that he had a he had a file that had. Um, First four or five lines are exactly the same for all the files, right? So obviously it wasn't getting it was getting the first one, not all of them, because it right. looked too similar. And so Splunk sides on the era of you know precaution not to not to try to du- get duplicate if it looks like it's the same. But the but you know and we were trying to do the CRC salt. Well, well, the, we did the CRC salt. It didn't still didn't seem to work. And then he decided he goes, well, look, there's two two returns at the top before the first beginner of the header, and I'd never seen one like that before when this kind of thing happened. So I said. Oh really? And he goes, "Yeah, I'm going to delete those first two those spaces off the very top, those first two lines that are blank." He deleted those and then it worked. And then we used the tail processor, tailing processor file status screen to see it all of a sudden, you know, he refreshes it and it shows that it's got it got the whole thing right instantly. So Weird. It was, yeah, it was just really strange like I kind of want to test that out a little bit because I think that uh it, I think it's because of the first two lines were completely blank that it just blank goes it's probably an empty file or it's you know, um probably has nothing in it so i'm wondering if that's something we want to look at more but it was just you know like how how rare is that right or how often do you see that i mean yeah and what for like the new folks that are listening what maverick's talking about is when spunk goes to eat files it you know and you can look at the docs it'll tell you about this but it looks in the first 256 bytes of the file i think is what it is mm-hmm. and uh obviously it checksums the whole file and says hey we ever seen this before and if it says yeah we have or no we haven't <laughs> It says, all right, let's look at the first, you know, X number of lines. And then it says, hey, have we seen this before? And if it's, if it, uh, it obviously looks at the tail as well. Does that. Correct. Correct. And if it fails, it says, oh, guess what? I'm not eating it. <laughs> well, what if the first X lines are the same in all these files? Like Microsoft Internet Explorer is a good, ex- uh, sorry, Internet uh, Information Server. A lot of times they're exactly the same, or sometimes you have like some Dynamo. Remember Dynamo, ATG Dynamo? You used to work at ATG, right? I used to work there, yes. You, you were yes. brilliant. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the very first X number of lines is like the server starting. It's almost always the same. So when Maverick says CRC salt, there's a setting in inputs.conf you can put in there called CRC salt. It's case sensitive and, and, Put bracket source bracket. It's an uppercase. But what that really does is it takes the name of the path name of the log file. Let's say var log wild is a dork dot log, <laughs> and it actually puts that in the very first line of the file. Okay, you never see it because Splunk throws it away. That's but right. that way, every single file in that directory, even though they look the same to your eyes, no two files have the exact same file name and file path so it's a neat way for you to tell splunk hey go ahead eat these files thanks for being intelligent but you're a little bit too smart and uh you know it's it's a good technique i will say though and i'm going to make an enhancement request here is we need to we splunk need to tell you more often when stuff like this fails like why it didn't eat your file 
And we need to put that in deployment monitor, in my opinion. So you can see what's going on out there on the forwarders. That's yeah, just but, my two cents. Yeah, no, you're totally right. But but for now, you can you can use the file status. Uh, you can look up the file status uh, or just look up troubleshooting your file file inputs and find that file status uh, uh, tailing tailing process or whatever. And, you can use that and then and then that, that gives you it gives you some kind of monitoring. It was really neat. The customer actually thought it was really cool that they could watch it like that. Are you talking about Omrit's file status he, pie thing? Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a note on the end node, right? The services slash admin oh, okay. slash services eighty eighty nine on the node eighty eighty nine. Uh, you have to do it securely HTTPS to do it, but yeah, it'll show you all of the whole stat. If you don't do the file stat, if you just do the tailing processor, it shows you every input you have, even your UDPs, DTP, everything scripts. Oh, okay. But the file system is specifically we're looking at a file directory specifically, so you can narrow it down by by putting colon and then file status afterwards. And um, also. For the noobs Maverick is talking about, there's another web interface on every copy of Splunk. It's called the Splunk D port. And if you go to HTTPS, the the machine name or IP colon eight zero eight nine. Right. It'll you have to authenticate, right? Admin yeah. change me or whatever your uh, local authentication what? is. Yeah, yeah. It'll take it to the HTTP REST endpoints, and a lot of them are used for configuring. And heck, our web interface does the same thing you just did. Talks to it all the time, mm-hmm. but um, some of the REST endpoints, like Maverick is talking about, you can see the file status. You know, you go down to the REST endpoint for that, and then Maverick also, or um, Omrit also has a Python script that will give you live status of the process of eating. That's on his blog, blogs.splunk.com/author/omrit, A M R I T, I think. Yeah. But anyways, Amrit. a lot of awesome stuff. Um, uh, right. Lots of stuff coming up. Maverick always reminds us that what's coming up next year? It's all the way next year, but you need to be planning for it now. It's the Splunk User Comp, the third one, 2012, in sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. Three times is a charm. In a Cosmopolitan Hotel. Three is your lucky number. That is Maybe right. Like that. It's going to be great. We, it's the only hotel that we could get for that time range uh, that we wanted to have it, um, which is, when, when is it? September? It's a hotel. It's like September 10th through 13th, I think, and it's uh, and it's the only one that was big enough to hold the anticipated attendance uh, record that we're going to break this year awesome. or next year. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then also Splunk Dallas. If you're listening and you're in Dallas Fort Worth, we're having a user, our own user, local user group on December 6th at six o'clock p.m. Central Standard oh, cool. Time here, right across the way. Can from they go the somewhere on the web to find out about that? They can go to um, oh, Meetup. You can no, you go to meetup.com slash Splunk, and then you just click look on for the, the Plano. Dallas one. No, no, Plano, Plano. Oh, Plano. Okay. Yeah, or, or if you want to look for anyone in your city, you can go to Splunk.com. I'm sorry, Meetup.com slash Splunk, and look up one in your city because we have more and more user groups Excellent. starting up all the time. So yeah, so email us at SplunkTalk at Splunk.com. Got questions, feedback? Um, need a T-shirt? If you're going to email us for a t-shirt, by the way, send us your size and mailing address. Sometimes Thank people you. forget to send sizes. And then uh, check out Splunkpace. There's a lot of really nice new apps that are out there. And uh, just want to thank you for hanging out with us for a few minutes of a nice, and, and it, and nice little Splunk episode. 
And then and just a little shout out to William Chi, which I'll be hopefully seeing this week out at ABC. So oh, thanks for listening. Nice. <laughs> thanks for Dude, listening. Yeah, William. we need to. I need. A, we need a production deal. <laughs> yeah, a yeah. Make, give go. us a show. You're ABC. Deal. Come on, give us a show. Hook us up, Splunk Talk worldwide. <laughs> we already did TV. We already did Splunk Talk live. So I think we need to go global. <laughs> we need to go global, man. Anyways, anyway, thanks look for listening, to everybody. Happy Splunking. Happy Splunking.